Blue Wire. Kawhi Leonard is going to join the Clippers. Kawhi turns the corner for the win. Three on the way. Yes. Paul George nails it. Lou Williams for the win. Bingo. Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Clip and Roll. As always, I am your host, Justin Russo. And joining me yet again because I can't get rid of him. And you know what? Enough with the introduction. Tomer Arley, what's going on? We got a lot to cover, buddy. How you been? How you doing? Make it brief. Damn, no formal introduction. I'm doing well. Doing all right on this nice little Friday evening. Enjoying myself. How about you, man? Doing all right. Surviving. It's all we can do after we were not at the arena for two weeks. And then <laughs> yesterday we were at the arena again and had to figure everything out. But enough of that. Enough of the chit chat. News has happened. And we'll get into that in a minute. Because the Clippers are 2-2 two and two in their last four games. They lost at Miami, they won at Charlotte, they lost at Indiana, and they beat the, the Lakers at home. Briefly, they had, a, they had a really nice comeback against Miami that fell a little bit short, ended up in a loss. There's no shame in that. Miami's a hell of a team, might end up getting the top seed in the East, maybe, we'll see. They then had a very nice uh, final quarter and a half against Charlotte on the road, which featured a very fantastic run by the bench of all people, the bench came in in, that, in the middle of the third quarter and they ran a rough shot over the Hornets, including the entire bench line. It basically played the fourth quarter and they just they just hammered the living hell out of Charlotte and route to what I believe was a 25-point win. The next day they had to play in Indiana. It was the end of their season-long eight-game road trip. It was the final game of a five and seven and they just looked very listless. Uh, the Pacers pretty much had what I would con- consider control for a lot of that game. Uh, Isaiah Jackson, Indiana's rookie center had a monster game in his first ever career start. Avisa uh, Zubats missed that Indiana game and leading into this Laker game, there was some uncertainty whether he would play. Turns out in the Laker game, Avisa Zubats did not play, but Tomer that only added to the intrigue of this game because buddy, do we ever get treated to a game? Huh? Unnecessarily uh, dramatic. And as Reggie Jackson said, uh, just trying to put on a show for the fans. That was his uh, his quote as to why the Clippers keep getting into close games when they uh, really don't need to. Uh, they they really could. They were up seventeen. They looked like they were on the verge of potentially blowing it open, and uh, they just didn't. Instead, they responded with a signature, a Clippers signature six minute scoring drought to let the opponent back in it. It's a classic. Anytime you see one of those six um, zero runs by them and uh, six minute scoring droughts by them and. Uh, they had yet another one um, the other night, and they, uh, fortunately, they were able to hold on and, and beat the Lakers. But um, you know, Anthony Davis was causing trouble for them. Malik Monk was playing well, and uh, it, it seemed like for a moment there all momentum was lost. The Lakers took a two-point lead on Monk's three, and I, uh, I I was not optimistic, but they they somehow held on, won a big game that allowed them to take a two-zero series lead over the Lakers. Um, something that will will definitely play a factor down at the end of the season. They are now, what is it, uh, two and a half games ahead of the Lakers. And more importantly, they are they have two more wins than the Lakers in their division. Uh, and, and, and the division record would have been, as you know, uh, a huge, huge swing if the Lakers ended up winning the, the last night or the other night. So um, definitely a big, a big win for the Clippers. Um, and hey, you know what happens when there's a, a game winner just before the trade deadline, right? That's right. There's a trade, but we can't touch on that just yet because this game against the Lakers was one of the weirdest games we've seen in quite a while for the Clippers because 
you mentioned it at the end of the third quarter, they were or like not, not at the end of the third quarter. They were up by 17 at one point in the third quarter with four minutes to go. Then they were up by 16 with 30 seconds to go in the third quarter, which at that point, when you're playing a team on the second night of a back-to-back and you're rolling as you were, the Clippers scored 94 points through the first, if I can do math here, 35 minutes of the game, which, which is very good for their offense. You're up 16 with 30 seconds to go in the third. You kind of think you're going to see that game out in, in moderately, I guess, not easy fashion, but without being truly challenged. And then they give up a quick 4-0 run to, to end the third. They then gave up a, a massive uh, uh, 8-0 run to start the, the fourth. So that's a 12-0 run. All of a sudden, your 16-point lead's down to four. And they kind of seesaw a little bit after that. And then you said it. Malik Monk hits a massive three to put the Lakers up by two with 28 seconds to go. Timeout Clippers. They come out. Marcus Morris gets a tough corner three, which on replay didn't appear to be as contested as it appeared in live action. In live action, I thought that thing was like wildly contested. And on on replay, on watching on television, it didn't look that contested anymore. But either way, he hits a massive three. Clippers are back up by one. Timeout Lakers, 18 seconds to go. And Tomer, the final 18 seconds, considering both teams were out of timeouts at that time, had to be the most chaotic shit I've seen in an 18-second spurt to end a game with both teams going back and forth, essentially. Uh, no timeouts left. You got to scramble and kind of come together and make what you can out of nothing. Uh, that's what happens. I mean... Uh, the Lakers scored scored in the half court uh, on a you know rush. I think went a little too early in my opinion, but um, they got the look they wanted. The pick and roll ended up with a dunk for AD, his ninth of the game, which I believe you said was a career high for him. That is yes, his career high prior to that was seven. So he he kind yeah. of outperformed that by two. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> um, you know, right after that, uh, you know, it, it was one of those weird games because because the the like AD scored that dunk. And then the Staples Center erupted. And then Reggie goes back down, and he scores his layup off the spin. And then Staples Center erupted as well. It was, like, very strange. Like, two home games. It was very, very weird. Um, and uh, not two home games. Two home home, home fan bases kind of thing, which is very strange just to hear inside because each, each fan base is loud, and you couldn't tell which one was kind of louder than the other there at, at some point. And then, uh, you know, Reggie get, gets his spin uh, off, off the bad Westbrook double team, gets the layup to go. Lay- is it a layup? I guess you can call it like a floater layup. Floater, floater. In the in the box score, in the in the play by play, it's classified as a quote unquote driving layup. That's a floater. That, I don't care what anybody says. That's a floater. Yeah, I would say given where you, where where you, where you left the floor, like jumped, I would say yeah, that's more of a floater. Uh, and, and then that AD shot, that Anthony Davis jumper, uh, well, floater, running floater at the buzzer. Um, Man, that thing had a really good shot to go in. Uh, if you look at some angles, like I posted one of them, uh, that ball was pretty much halfway down. It looked like it was in, and uh, it it just it just didn't it just didn't go in. Um, basketball gods were on on the Clippers side. Uh, Anthony Davis was telling us was telling um you know in the post game he was saying uh, I was talking to Melo. He's like the basketball gods can't do this to me. Like that ball was halfway down. They just can't do it to me. So uh, just one of those games uh, where, where they kind of escaped and then they needed to um and uh now you move on to a, a tough milwaukee game a tough milwaukee team but 
uh, that game on its own, the Laker game, the second one was just, uh, just, 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 just massive. Like I said, because it gives you the two zero series lead. Um, so at worst, you tied in the season series. Um, you get a division advantage early. Um, you know, apparently Sacramento Kings are the greatest team of all time when playing against their division. Um, but other than that, <laughs> um, besides that, uh, though, I'm sorry for laughing. So for people who don't know. The Sacramento Kings are five and seven against the Pacific Division. The Clippers are four and five, and the Lakers are two and seven. Somehow, the the damn Sacramento Kings can beat teams in the Pacific, but these other two teams, who are clearly better than them, struggle. Yeah, I mean, it's weird. <laughs> Sacramento has like two wins against the Clippers, and I've, I I don't think I've seen them win another game. Maybe maybe the Lakers again that Triple OT game. That was it. But um, yeah, so so the, the the division win for them was huge over the Lakers and. Um, now you kind of just got to let it play out and, and continue to to build on this. Um, continue to keep getting wins. You know, you have a chance to get over 500 in the next couple of days. Got a practice day on Saturday. And so um, you just got to build on this. It's all about building on this and, and seeing where you can go from here. They do have a, a, a tough little three-game road trip coming up, but uh, not not an un, you know, not, not an impossible trip. So uh, especially given what we just saw in the eight-game Grammy trip. So Quick shout-outs to some Clipper players in this game. Marcus Morris Sr. led the way with 29 points. He was 11 of 16 overall, 6 of 7 on threes. Obviously, he has that massive three down the stretch. Sergi Baca, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks, gets the start for Zoo, plays 34 minutes. It's the second most points he scored with the Clippers, second most minutes he's played with the Clippers. Serge feasted inside against the Lakers switching. Like the Lakers switched a lot and it allowed Serge to pin a guard. Usually it was either Avery Bradley or Taylor Horton Tucker or, you know, I don't even Malik Monk at times. He, he was able to pin them in at the restricted area and get easy little jump hooks. So, I mean, that was great for Serge and great for the Clippers because for a long stretch of that game, that was their best offensive option, which sounds silly to say, but it really was the truth. Reggie Jackson, 25 points, eight rebounds, six assists. He scored 22 of the 25 in the second half. And in fact, did not score in this game until the final minute of the second quarter. So he did not score for the first 23 minutes and then had 25 points in the final 25 minutes. You'll take that. He carried him down the stretch. He scored 10 points in the final three or four minutes for them. Um, like, it, it's, it's really like... The Clippers needed great performances from their veteran guys, and every veteran guy basically delivered either a very good or a great performance, and that's the reason they won the game. End of the day, that's the reason they won the game. Anthony Davis had 30-17, and 17, was incredible. Malik Monk had 21-7-7, seven and seven, was incredible. Um, outside of that, Lakers really didn't have anything else, and that's kind of been the story of their season. Clippers are now uh, a game up in the loss column on the Lakers. Uh, they're two up in the win column, so they're a game and a half up in total. And as you mentioned, they're up 2-0 in the season series. They also, for now, take a two-game lead in division record. Um, at worst, basically, at this point, it's looking like at worst, the Clippers and Lakers are going to be tied on the two tiebreakers, and then they're just going to have to go from there. But uh, you got anything else you want to say about this game? Because it was, it was a hectic night, man. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the future for Taylor Horton Tucker is bright if he's going to take Dirk fadeaways and make all of them, so. Oh, that's all I got to say about that game, though. So, Tamara, I don't know if you heard the news. And now I made that sound like a like a music lyric or music title. Have you heard the news? Is there a song like that? Something like that? There's got to be. Start spreading the news. That's the song. Anyway, start spreading the news. The Clippers made a trade. 
And uh, as they are wont to do after someone hits a big game winner, the Clippers decided they needed to ship some people out, buddy. And it kind of wasn't the person we thought, right? Like all the time that we've talked about trades, we kept talking about Serge. Serge is the guy they're going to move. They're going to move him. They're going to move him. And he wasn't the first guy he dealt. In the end, the news comes across. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN breaks the news this afternoon. Uh, Friday afternoon, that is. So if you're listening to this on Saturday, you'll understand why I said today. Uh, he breaks the news. The Clippers and Blazers make a trade. Clippers send out Eric Bledsoe, Justice Winslow, and Keon Johnson, plus Detroit's 2025 second-round pick, which they got in the Luke Kennard trade uh, prior to last season. They send those three players and pick out to Portland for Norman Powell and Robert Covington. Uh, First first reaction, I want to know what your first reaction was when you saw this trade come across before we get into the nuts and bolts. My first reaction? um, I think it's that, damn, I might need to put the the Nintendo Switch controllers down to to look at what's going on. Oh, my God. you and your Second game. reaction. You and Farbod. Was... You and Farbod with the with the damn Pokemon. Oh, for, for you new Pokemon. It's not Pokemon. Anyways. Oh my, oh my god. Yeah, I, I think I think when I saw Norman Powell's name on the on the on the, on the ticker or on the the tweet or whatever, I was like, uh, uh excuse me. <laughs> he he said it where he's not being rerouted. <laughs> How did they kind of? Because they they just signed for that extension. Uh, I believe it was uh, this past summer. Or... Yeah, I think it was this past summer. Um, or last summer, technically, now. So, I, I, I was more shocked than anything. Um, but I think I think overall, it's a, it's, it's a good trade for the Clippers. It's, um, it's, you hate to see guys go. I thought Eric Bledsoe has been, was really good for them uh, this season, despite uh, what Twitterverse, you know, well, Twitterverse hates on everyone. But I thought Bledsoe was good for them defensively. He helped, um, you know, put a lot of pressure on the rim offensively when, when not a lot of guys really did that for them uh, throughout the year at times. So, um, you know, Bledsoe's kind of presence will be missed. I mean, it sucks that his, his second tenure with the Clippers was shorter than his first one. And his first one was fairly short as well. So, um, you know, Keon Johnson, 19 years old, and uh, probably will have a bigger opportunity in Portland, if not elsewhere, uh, because he certainly just was not going to get it here with the Clippers, unfortunately, with, with, such a such a veteran heavy team and, and championship aspirations, it, it wasn't really happening for them, for him here. And uh, Justice Winslow, I mean, uh, I don't know. He's, Justice Winslow comes off like the ultimate vibe guy to me. Um, you know, he, he and Reggie Jackson, I would say, uh, two guys that you really want to have in your locker room. He's, they're just they're just fun personalities, and uh, that's a guy you also hate to lose. It seems like the locker room really enjoyed having him in the short time uh, here in LA. But again, you're, you're getting two guys who. Um, are proven are proven players in this league and one a legitimate score one a very versatile defender uh, at multiple positions um you know lanky has good good timing on that end of the floor so um and you also get yourself you know you also we can talk about this in a bit but create yourself an opportunity to trade another going if you need to because right now you have um 49 51 wings on this team right now so um Definitely still decisions to be made, but I wouldn't be surprised if they kept it, um, you know, stayed put um, after the deadline like this. You and I have been very ardent Bledsoe, like, defenders. We've defended Eric Bledsoe quite a bit this year. 
And I do think that we should give him props for the role that he played. I don't think people have really respected how he came to work every night. He played in all 54 games that the Clippers have had so far. And the only guy to do so. Yeah, he's the NBA leader in games played right now, which which is kind of staggering. Because because the trade happened today, there's a chance that he might play 83 games with the Portland Trailblazers. Like if he finishes the season with the Portland Trailblazers and plays in every game starting on Saturday, he could get to 83 games played for a season. So that's that'd be actually kind of remarkable. Wow. He he competed on the defensive end. He was a good passer. He surprisingly was solid as a catch and shoot three point guy. Um, he gave them downhill juice. He got to the free throw line at times. I, I, uh, I just think people kind of poo pooed on him a lot. And I didn't really understand it, but you know, I want to th- like Eric Bledsoe was a blast to cover. I like talking to him. Justice Winslow, you said ultimate vibe guy could not agree more. He was an incredible person to talk to. Every time you talk to him, you got the realest person in the room. It was it was really awesome to hear him talk. He called Luke Kennard a liar like three times. You know, he he said that Miles Bridges isn't isn't an actual right-handed player, like or he's not an actual lefty. He was basically saying that Miles Bridges is lying about being left-handed too. Like it was just Justice was a fun guy. Um Keon, we didn't really talk a lot to Keon, but Keon had a lot of promise. Um it kind of like out of all the players Keon was the guy that they traded that like you can look at and say as a long-term tangible piece, that was what they gave up. So in a lot of ways, it was mostly Keon for Norman Powell and, you know, possibly half a season of Robert Covington, uh, depending on how everything goes. But let's talk about Norman Powell while we're here. Averaging a career high 18.7 points per game. He's shooting uh, 50, 50, I almost said 56, wow, 46% from the field and 41% from three. Gets to the line five times a night. That's also a career high. Shooting 80% from the line, which is down a little bit from his career average of 83%. Uh, Three rebounds, two assists. Not a natural passer. uh, Not much in the way of rebounding. Not a great defender. I think he can be adequate on that end at times. Maybe not not even good. Just adequate can be okay. But um, as far as Norman Powell is concerned, with PG and Kawhi out, which there was an update on kind of an update on both of them after the Laker game, but with Kawhi and PG out, especially PG, Powell kind of slots in as the starting two guard ahead of Amir Coffey. So in a lot of ways, a team that's been hurting for scoring gets a, gets quite a, a big uplift in the scoring department. You know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I mean, Norman Powell is a guy who uh, is really not just a three-point shooter. I mean, this year... He's shooting 46% on 10 to 16 footers, 41% on 3 to 10 footers, um, 47% on 16 to three point, 16 footers to three point shots. So like, he's a, he's a decent mid range shooter, um, and not just a three point shooter where he's shooting 40% from three, like you said. So they're really getting a guy who, who um, for lack of a better term, just gets buckets uh, from from all areas of the court. I think an underrated part of his game, and this might be a bit of him. Um, a time settling, but uh, he, he takes about 26% of his shots um, within three feet of the basket. And I think, um, you know, maybe that was a bit of how the Blazers played. But I feel like with, with the Clippers, um, he, he does a very good job of attacking the rim. And I can see that. I can see them, him helping them out uh, right away, essentially, uh, in, in that department, because he's such a good um, uh, creator for himself and as well for, as for others. So um, that's definitely an area that I see 
him uh, kind of dominating it. Offensively, he should be able to get up to about, uh, what, I would say 17, 18 points easily on this team. Um, just given how good and how easy he is, how, how good and how easy it is for him to score, I, I would say. Um, I, I'm not sure, like, if you start him right away, if you bring him off the bench, because there's just decisions to be made here, uh, given how good Amir has been, uh, given how good Reggie has been, given how good Nico and Marcus have been. Um, you know, Zeus still being out, we don't know how long, maybe, maybe not that long, but, um, it, it's just a lot of good problems to have if you're Tyler and the Clippers, but, uh, look, you're, you're bringing in a guy who, what is signed for the next five years, about 18 million a year. Um, I don't know if you can afford to bring that guy off the bench. This sounds like a guy you have to start in my opinion. I don't know if you agree or disagree with that, but that's kind of what I feel about that. So, I mean, Norman's going to have to start. At least right now, without PG, Norman has to start. Right. I think you, I think you cross the bridge of if he's a starter when the other guys return. Like, it's not just enough for PG to return before you get to this. Like, it has to be Kawhi and PG to return before you get to that decision. Because if just PG returns, well, Norm could be the two, and PG is the three, and then Marcus is the four, and like that, like that kind of combination. Like, it, it works if either Kawhi or PG are back. But when both come back, that's when the conversation is, well, is Norman a two? Is he a one? Do you Because, you know, Kawhi and PG are going to handle the ball so much. Can you, can you get away with Norman Powell as, as the point guard? And he's just point guard in name only. And he's a spot-up guy and a downhill threat, et cetera. Like, I don't know. But that's, that's for them to work out in the coming weeks and months and going into next year. The two interesting things with me with Norman Powell are, Last season, and the couple seasons before that, in fact, he was a sniper on corner threes. In 2018-19, he shot 47% on corner threes. In 2019-20, almost 44% on corner threes. Last season, 53%. This season, it's down to 38%. But as we both know, and as everyone listening knows, Ty Lue loves those corner threes. And if he can try to get guys corner threes, he'll, he'll do it. He gets, he gets Nico, he gets Marcus, you know, he gets Reggie. They all get a healthy share of corner threes. Amir gets them now. So, and Terrence, obviously, um, th- those shots are there to be had. So I'm very curious to see how they integrate Norman Powell into the offense and kind of allow him to a be himself, but also have him adhere to the way that they like to play. Like there's actual juice with Norman Powell you know, I think the thing that we haven't talked about is he's tw- he's 28 years old, you know? Right. So they're not acquiring a guy who's 32, 33. Like, this is this is a guy in the prime of his career having a very good year, another very good year, you know, building off the last two. So there is a lot of intrigue here. Covington, I feel like um, Covington's been a guy. So, like, here's the thing. When the Clippers acquired Marcus Morris – from the Knicks Covington was a guy I thought that they should go get because I thought he was more versatile. The problem is Covington's offense is nowhere near what Marcus's is and the impact that Marcus can make on that end. So, you know, he's more, I say three and D in the thought process of it, of that. That's what his archetype is, but it's been more like, Kind of three, a little bit of defense, like maybe at times. His defense has fallen off a little bit from past years. 
Um, he's not a good one-on-one guy anymore, especially at the point of attack, but he's a very good team defender, very good backline rim protector and, and uh, rover of passing lanes, which who does that sound like to you? That sounds like Nico Batum, does it not? <laughs> so yeah, like uh, they, they, they might have two Nikos defensively at this point in terms of off the ball defense, which is good. That's it's never a bad thing to have too much defense. The problem Covington's having a career worst year, not counting his rookie year. He only played seven games. He's having the worst scoring output of his career. He's only shooting 34% on threes. He's only shooting 38% from the field. He doesn't really, he doesn't take mid range shots, which is fine. That's totally fine. The problem is he doesn't get to the rim at such a, like a, like a high volume to where if he's not making threes, he's supplying you value elsewhere. He has to make threes. But the problem is he's not making threes right now. However, this is going to, it shouldn't be a shock. He is making corner threes. 19% of his three-pointers have been corner threes, and he's making 48% of them. So if the Clippers could find a way to just park him in a corner for out there, you know, for an entire game through the rest of the season, you know, they, they might reap some rewards. But, you know, the, the, the idea of Covington is so much better than, than what he actually is. But maybe... <laughs> that's, that's so messed up. But it's true, unfortunately. Yeah, it's messed up, but it's true. But here's the thing. The Clippers have done so good recently of these little, and I don't want to call them reclamation projects, but like they've done so well at getting guys like Nico and Justice Winslow and other guys to kind of buy in Reggie Jackson. Yes. Of getting guys to buy in and then kind of rebuild their image and then flourish from that. So I wouldn't be shocked to see Robert Covington in the next couple of months, if he remains a Clipper in the next couple of months to, to, to kind of find his legs again. I mean, going back to what you said about Norman Powell, uh, you know, his, his three point shooting from the corner being kind of down. I mean, I think you have to look at the way they had to play this year and they had to play without stars on the floor for the, for, you know, for, I, I, I would say for the majority of their year, which means a lot of these guys are probably having to do more ball handling. A lot of these guys are having to take on bigger roles, just like we've seen Clippers players do. And, you know, as volume goes up, as, as kind of usage goes up, the efficiency usually goes down. Uh, that's kind of what we see w- with most players. Um, you know, Kawhi might be the exception. Kevin Durant might be, be the exception to that. But um, it, it, for most guys, when they take on bigger roles like that, especially guys who aren't stars, were kind of just asked to be role players uh, like we've seen with the Clippers, uh, you, you see a, a bit of a dip in, in efficiency. And I think you've seen that a bit. Um, as far as specific areas on the floor, um, but like I took a look at uh, what's it called, uh, Nor- Norman Powell's um, shot chart, and he's he's he's, he's an above average shooter from from you know the the top of the key, the right side of the floor, um, you know the mid range area. Like I said, is just especially on the baseline. Uh, he, he is he is an above average shooter from there, um, and so uh, and then uh, on the left corner, he's a forty five percent three point shooter this year, so. Um, which is above average. So uh, it, it, I think some of his dip is, is a product of, of the, the role he's been asked to play this year, um, you know, without TJ McCollum, without Damian Lillard for a lot of the year, um, even I would say without some other guards as well. I, I want to say that they've missed. So um, I think with this team, you, you might see 
Um, maybe even without Kawhi and PG, they're not going to be asked to do as much. And I think you might you might be able to see his efficiency, um, you know, increase a little bit as he, as he kind of takes better shots within the flow of an offense. Like you said, Tyloo likes those corner threes. He likes the the ball hopping around and driving kicks, and and that's something Norman can do as well. So, um, I, I fully expect Norman's uh, Norman Powell's efficiency and his assist numbers to go up because this is kind of the team, uh, for him. I I would like you said expect Robert Covington to kind of. Um, I don't know if rediscover his, his shot is, is the right term um, because he is a, I want to say a 35 a career, 35% three point shooter. Um, he's, I believe about um, what is he at this season? He's at 34%. So not great, but um, again, with the looks he's going to be getting with the Clippers, uh, you never know if that kind of jumps up to about uh, 38, 39, you kind of take that. So um yeah, I mean, a lot, a lot is a big move, um, big additions, uh, guys who um, I think you mentioned this, but I, I saw someone else mention it as well. It's like this move doesn't tell you it doesn't it doesn't, you know, um, relay any optimism or pessimism regarding the status of Kawhi and PG. Like this move definitely sets you up for when Kawhi and PG are available next year, um, but also it puts you in a position this year to remain competitive. Um, you get a boost in offense with Powell, a little bit of a, a jolt with, with the length and versatility of Covington defensively. And uh, you kind of just carry on the season, even if Kawhi and PG don't come back. Uh, you still have those guys potentially for next year as well. I think they also have the rights to Covington, uh, the bird rights to him. So um, you set yourself up for, for, for a very good um, you know, short-term and long-term future. So uh, I, I like this move for sure. This is a really good move for them. Um, now I guess we just wait and see what happens with Kawhi and PG. Speaking of Kawhi and PG, post game, uh, Ty Lu dropped just random nuggets of information, just out of nowhere. Like no, we didn't ask, we didn't even ask about it, and he just dropped it. And he said that you know, pro- he, in his words, probably not going to see Kawhi this year. Um, which they then got. We then asked for clarification because he said it. And he basically said that, you know, he hopes to see him, but, you know, you just hope and pray. And, you know, what was the line that he said? Like, hope is stronger than fear or something Hope is like stronger that? than fear, yeah. So I hope, I'm hoping every day. I mean, the context for his quote about Kawhi, though, was, you know, he was asked what makes his team special. And he says, you know, every night these guys go out and they play, they play hard, they compete. Um, you know, and then he said, knowing that, you know, Kawhi Leonard probably isn't coming back this year, these guys still go out there and lay it all on the line. So... I don't know if, if that was a bit of a slip up or if he meant to say it that way because he doesn't believe he's going to. I don't know. I don't know. Anytime we've asked him uh, or asked around the team, the answer is no update, no idea. I can't remember. Uh, so maybe the key is just not to ask and, and kind of hope it, it slips out like this. <laughs> I mean, Kawhi, apparently Kawhi's been doing explosive box jumps for seven months now. Who knows? You know, so. Yeah, but only TNT can get that. Only TNT can get that. Yes, that is correct. No one else can get that. Only TNT. Um, as far as the PG update, I mean, PG had a bigger update than Kawhi did, to be honest, which was that there is an MRI scheduled for Paul George on February 24th. They're going to see the results of the MRI and then go from there. Um, I will say it is a little rather interesting that they went from Three to four weeks reevaluation the day after or on Christmas. They said three to four weeks reevaluation after uh, from Christmas. We get to the three to four, we get to the three week reevaluation day, and then it's 
another three to four weeks and then we'll see. And then even that's been pushed back to like a full month now. So, you know, I mean, February 24. Well, I'm just saying they've continually pushed the date back. And to me, now you could take this two ways. You could take it. Number one, you could just take it that he's out for the year and they're doing their best to not say that he's out for the year. They're getting second opinions, third opinions, et cetera. The way I took it is that they literally do not know. And because they do not know, they're trying to stretch the timeline out as far as they can get it to possibly have him ready for the final like two to three weeks of the season, which might be when he could come back from it. Uh, If the MRI goes well, I could see him having like a week to two week ramp up stage to get back into basketball shape and then he can play. But we have no idea. We have no idea. The updates for both guys were basically, I don't think they're going to play, but they might play. Who knows? And that was the update for both of them. I desperately want an actual update. I just, <laughs> that's what made this year really hard to cover is that like, it, it, it personally, like not I knowing, like, just, just having zero update. Um, you don't know what the kind of season-long outlook is. Like, I don't even want a season-long outlook. I, I, I would just like to know, like, is Kawhi able to shoot? Is he moving around more? Is he uh, working out with the team? You know, like, uh, it's just those kind of things where I'm like, is, is, do, is he alive? Do you see him? Do you talk to him? Like, it's almost like at that point. <laughs> so, well, we have seen we have seen Kawhi at the practice facility. We, we do know that. We've seen him on the on the court doing, um, I guess, standing shooting drills. Like he's not moving as he shoots, or he's not jumping, I should say. Um, so he's just doing set shots, and then we've seen him walking around barefoot at the practice facility. We've seen that, but that's it. We don't see, like he could, for all we know. And I'm not saying he's. I I I will iterate right now. I am not saying he is doing this. But for all we know, he could be doing full court wind sprints and we would have no way of knowing because we don't see it, is what I'm trying to say. Well, I mean, and they don't give us updates. Seeing is one thing, but <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, 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 I have nothing else to say about this. If we, I just wish we had more updates because this year has been tough to cover from the sense of like, it's unclear, like, you know, even if they're, at least if they're working towards a, a comeback, you know, all right. It's not. It's not for nothing. There's a potential, you know. Um, sh- should we make playoff plans? Should we make deep playoff plans? You know what I mean. Um, but it's literally just everyone's hanging in the air waiting, and it's possible the team doesn't even know themselves. But uh, yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm 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 looking forward to that. Uh, um, January twenty, February twenty fourth. Um, MRI. Um, I'm I'm not expecting the best news personally. This is not based off anything. I know or heard, I just feel like um, it would make the most sense for them probably not to bring either of them back just 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 to be safe because again, coming off an ACL injury, ACL surgery, that's that's not an easy thing to, to, to come back into a season from, let alone in March with a month before the playoffs start. Um, and PG's elbow, I mean, I, I would I would be curious if there's a chance for um, you know a flare up or re injury. Because if he comes back and within three or four games he's got a flare up of that of that elbow, I mean you got to shut him down. And at that point, what did you do? You know what I mean? So, 
Um, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's personally possible a flare up, like like you know, uh, a reaggravation of, of the UCL. I'm not. I'm not super into baseball, so I don't know how those that ligament kind of works. But uh, I would just be very cautious and hesitant with, with re-injury. Well, I mean, look at the end of the day, which is what we knew with the season. Uh, as at least as far as Kawhi is concerned, and now with PG, is they'll be back when they're when they're back essentially at this point. So, I mean, that's the only way I can go. Uh, it sucks, but that's what it is. Um, as far as this trade goes, do you see any other moves possibly coming? Because, and and this is this is why I bring it up. So, you and I talked about this trade on the phone today, and I wrote about it a little bit, and I've tweeted about it, and I don't shut the hell up ever about it, mm-hmm. but. The Clippers got very lucky with Portland as a trade partner because they found a team that was trying to a get under the luxury tax. So they were trying to shed salary, which meant they were going to offload a good player and get like nothing for him, which was Norman Powell. And they, they packaged him with Robert Covington and they're now like $900,000 under the luxury tax line, uh, Portland that is. So the Clippers got lucky there. Number two, they got lucky because Portland is not a good team. And the first round pick that they have is lottery protected, meaning if they make the playoffs, that pick goes elsewhere and they don't get to keep it. So this was Portland's way of trying to bottom out and keep their own first round pick to help Damian Lillard and whatever rebuild they're going to go through. Number three, they found a team that had an open roster spot. And because of that, if you did the math, when I mentioned the names, the Clippers sent out three players and only got back two. So because of that, the Clippers themselves cleared a roster spot. And all season long, you know, in the last month and a half, we've talked about they need to clear a roster spot to sign Amir Coffee to a guaranteed deal. They need to do this because, you know, two-way players can't play in the postseason. They need to get it done as soon as they can. Well, they've cleared the roster spot, so potentially they can do that now. Um, there's no word on if they will do that or when they might do that, so... You know, that there's no breaking news there. But the reason I bring it up is because if you sign Amir Coffee to a guaranteed deal, that's your 15th roster spot and you don't have an open roster spot anymore. And this trade sent out your backup point guard and kind of in a weird way sent out one of your other ball handlers in Justice Winslow. So you need to probably get a backup point guard somehow, whether that's through the buyout market and maybe that's Goran Dragic. Maybe that's John Wall. I have no intel on either of them, but maybe either one gets bought out and they slot right into the open roster spot. Maybe the Clippers use their trade exception, which they have an $8.25 million trade exception, which they got from dealing Rajon Rondo to the Memphis Grizzlies last July. So they have that to use, meaning they could take a player back into the trade exception who's making up to $8.25 million, but not above that. Um, I have caught wind that they have talked to some teams about potentially, you know, making a play for a backup point guard with the trade exception. Um, nothing has really come to fruition as of yet. And I haven't checked Twitter while we've been talking. So maybe they made a trade. I don't know. Um, but the thing, but it comes down to, we're kind of in the same spot we were before in just a different way now. Like, they still might need to just offload Surge to clear a second roster spot so they can sign Amir and get a backup point guard, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm not I'm not of the mindset that a backup point guard is necessary. Um I, I do think that if you um 
I do think if you if you if you like like Amir Kavi can can play the point guard position. Like I I think the way Ty Lue plays, it's it's not you don't really need a a true point guard to to go out there and dribble and handle the ball. Like Terrence can do it at times, Amir can do it at times, even Norman can do it at times. Um, like you don't want them to have to do it, but I think. I think it might be beneficial for them to get experience at that position, um, and maybe learn it for next season if they're here. Um, you know, with Kawhi BG coming back, uh, you mentioned Kyle Lowry and John Wall. Those are two. Those would be those would be two very uh, ideal. I mean, Dragic is kind of old, um, but if you're collecting on former Raptors, I mean, he's the guy you want to go for. Um, Raptors John- best, baby. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the answer is here. I, I, I don't know. I think Serge is, is every time I think Serge might be tradable, he has a game that kind of shows me where he's valuable, um, and how he could really help this team. Like I, I, I still say, like I believe in, in a in a matchup situation, there, there's there's a series out there where he will probably more important than Isaiah Hartenstein, and possibly if he's a Zubac. Um, you know, you looked at a game like like against the Lakers, Isaiah Hartenstein was getting his shit tossed by Dwight Howard. I mean, Dwight Howard was manhandling him. Mauled. It was embarrassing. And it's not, I don't know how much, I don't know how much of it is on, is on Hartenstein. I think Dwight's just a physical presence. And that's a game where you might need an Ibaka as opposed to Hartenstein. Um, Zoo gets in foul trouble. You, you, can you go with Isaiah? Can you trust him not to pick up three fouls in three minutes? So um, I, I still believe Serge has some value on this team, has some significance on this team. Uh, that's why I'm kind of in the mindset that you can try to keep him. Um, I think you should try to keep him. And, and, and you know, he worked hard to come back uh, last season. Didn't work out for him. He continued to try and come back. And I think you kind of have to let him uh, let him at least try to ride it out, especially since you already got the roster spot for Amir. And you have guys on the team who are capable of playing, um, you know, kind of a, a de facto point guard spot. So that, that that's how kind of what, where, where my mind's at. Well, one thing's for certain, they're they're most likely not done making moves because Lawrence likes to make moves at the trade deadline. Um, I forget how many years in a row now since Lawrence took over, they've made a trade within like two weeks of the trade deadline, basically. And not like small trades either. Like they're actually making like real trades. So um, we'll see. Um, wow. What, just, what, a, what an odd piece of like the, the, like it felt weird that it dropped in the afternoon on a friday like it, like it just seems so weird you know but um yeah i mean all right buddy the, the thing is the thing is just before you go the thing is uh, once it was a game winner i think the other night we're like oh mm, you can't trade reggie so this is gonna be it like I'm, I'm not sure um but you definitely knew something was coming it had to come and uh well it happened so there they, we are. They said, we're not going to trade Reggie or Marcus. We'll trade the people around them, though. Let's do it. <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Wishing oh, all the man. best to Eric, Justice, and Keon. Uh, they, they were also Absolutely. a pleasure to work with. And, um, you yeah, know, hope for the best for them. Absolutely. I hope Keon turns into a stud. That'd be awesome. Uh, Justice was amazing. Eric was cool. I, I loved all. They were great. I can't say enough good things. All right, buddy. Uh, for people who are listening to this on uh, Saturday morning, Tomer and I are currently in the Clippers practice facility. So if any more crazy stuff happens, we uh, we won't podcast about it, at least not right away, but we'll be back whenever news happens. So everybody take it easy. Stay safe. Tomer, Tomer you got anything for the good people? I almost butchered your name, bro. I'm sorry. Tomar. I don't know what Tomar's got to say, but Tomer is not going to say bye to everyone. Just say thank you for tuning in. And uh, yeah, appreciate you having me on again. Maybe, maybe we'll cod later. <laughs>
God damn it. You, you already hooked me already. You said the words that I'm in. All right, everybody, take it easy. I'm going to go be miserable on Call of Duty in about 20 minutes. Everyone take it easy. Stay safe. And we'll talk to you all later.